You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in to the latest edition of the Hoist to Colors podcast. I am Stephen Igo, the host of the podcast and the publisher of HoistToColors.net. We are continuing to talk football and our positional previews this week. I am joined by Brett Hickman, the head coach at West Brunswick High School, contributor of HoistToColors.net. He is back for his second year as a contributor now that he's through uh, his busy Spring football season, Brett. Uh, first off, how how are things going uh, on the gridiron these days down at uh, West Brunswick? Well, I mean, it's been good to get back to somewhat of a normal routine in the summer. You know, we missed so much from, you know, not really being into a school routine up until the last nine weeks or so of school, but getting our guys back in the weight room and getting some normalcy back. We started picking up football a couple of weeks ago and, trying trying to get ready for a for hopefully a more typical fall um you know we right now we've got 10 games scheduled starting on august the 20th and hopefully be playing well into november as we have the we're well into the playoffs as we have the last couple of years for those of familiar brett uh helped us out this past fall especially with the pandemic didn't have as much as normal going on provided some great film breakdowns uh some written content as well uh he will plan to do that i believe again this year brett uh, i know that you're going to be busy with the normal season but you're still planning to try and help out when you can basically right yeah that's the goal you know provide one or two breaks per week based on previous game um you know kind of preview what i think they should be looking for you know from a fan perspective for the upcoming opponent and obviously enjoy watching the pirates and and um you know, as much of a fan as, as I am, obviously, a, a, a former member of the program in, in some capacity. So, uh, you know, anything we can do to contribute to your site and continuing to provide the best content for, um, you know, the most loyal fan base in America, as I call them. Yeah, they've had to been loyal these past five, six years, six straight losing seasons for East Carolina. Brett, let's, let's dive right into it. We're going to play. 20 questions later on to conclude the show, but we're going to start off with our running backs preview. Uh, we had the quarterback preview with Bobby Harward uh, late last week. You can go back and listen to that if anybody missed it, but we're moving on to the running backs now. And, Brett, it feels like, and we'll get more into each individual player, uh, but it feels like for the first time in a while, just at the running back group as a whole, specifically the two top guys, I feel like ECU finally has some difference makers there, and it feels like it's been a long time since we were able to say that. Well, I mean, there is some returning production. Uh, uh, I think last year was the first time in uh, a noticeable amount of time that they've had a guy go for, you know, over 500 yards, not to mention, you know, with, with Harris. And then uh, Keaton Mitchell began to emerge the last three or four games of the year. So I think with those two guys, the, the room sits in a better position than it has, you know, probably since the middle of the rough era. Um, if you think back on it, you know, those two guys, I, I believe, you know, have a, have a, 
have an ability to give us a lot of what we had with Skip, whether or not it was with the 08 group led by Dominique Lindsay and Brandon Simmons and Jonathan Williams. And then, of course, before that with Chris Johnson and all those guys. I mean, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of optimism with the fact that both of those guys are still, quote unquote, freshmen um, with with these new COVID years and all that kind of stuff. But they're proven commodities at this point. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that you look back at last preseason, there was so much discussion about Darius Penix, Chase Hayden, and we knew that Rajay Harris and Keaton Mitchell were talented. There was a lot of talk about Demetrius Mooney, too. He had ran for 450 yards as a true freshman, and for those guys to come out and do what they did in a pandemic year to really kind of emerge as the go-to guys, looking back at it, it was Pretty dang surprising, Brett. Uh, I know. I think we knew how talented they were, but for them to do that as freshmen without having spring ball, how much of a surprise is that looking back on it? I mean, you know, I thought coming off the year Mooney had in 2019, you know, with and then having an Arkansas transfer, and, and that clearly didn't work out. You know, I think he's moved on to his third or fourth school now, but uh, in Hayden. Um, but running back's always a position I felt like you can play early. You know, I coached it for three years at at, um, at Gardner-Webb when I was a running back coach and a special teams coordinator and, um, you know, was never really afraid to throw freshmen in the fire, you know, assuming they can handle what is the heaviest load, which is pass protection and the schemes that go along with that. If a, if a guy can handle the pass protection schemes and, and the concepts, usually carrying the football is, is you know, it, tr- it translates pretty quickly from high school to college football. And, and you saw it by the middle of the year with, um, you know, Harris had some big games and Mitchell at the end of the year. I'm not, I'm not ever surprised if a freshman can pop up uh, pinning that they can learn the overall schemes, but carrying the football is carrying the football and, Obviously, those guys, you know, Harris in particular, has got to, he's got to carry the football with a little bit more care and a little bit better ball security this year. But, um, you know, it, I didn't think after watching them play a substantial amount of time that there was any doubt they were the two best options that, uh, you know, Donnie Kirkpatrick, Mike Houston, and, and Darrell Sims had. And, and I think Chris Foster coming in, I, you know, I, I don't know what we don't know about Wilson and um, – and pop hey right now, but you know they've got two guys that I think have proven they're they're as good as anyone in the AAC. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the the depth. I mean, we know more than any position, running backs take a pounding. I mean, even last year's uh, eight nine game season for ECU, by the end of it, Rajay was pretty beaten up. Keaton was beaten up during the middle of the season. How much of a concern is is really the the lack of proven depth, there's a lot of uh, different backs there in terms of you've got three walk-ons, you've got uh, Harris and Mitchell, you've got Pop McKay and Jamani Wilson coming in as freshmen. How much of a concern is the lack of proven depth overall at the position? Yeah, I think running backs are a lot like quarterbacks in a sense that, you know, there's one football. And, you know, if you're not getting the ball – in today's world, it's just so easy to leave and transfer and, and whatever the case may be is East Carolina's faced their own attrition um, in the last year, like we t- talked about. So I, I think that's going to be a running theme in college football um, or for everyone. I think, you know, you're, you might have a guy or two who gets a bunch of touches and then the third and fourth guys going to be a revolving door between uh, true freshmen or, you know, maybe one double A transfers coming up will play their senior year or whatever the case may be to provide 
adequate depth. And if those guys hang around for one or two years and they don't think they're going to be the guy, then they're going to leave and they're going to go find somewhere else to play. I mean, that's, that's just the way it is now. So having two guys is, uh, is probably puts ECU in a better position than most of their uh, opponents, in my opinion. Um, but depth is always a concern at tailback. I mean, I think about 10, 11, 12 years in college football, wherever it was. I mean, I don't think I went through two or three seasons where we didn't have a running back at least miss one game. Uh, that's just the nature of the, the wear and tear of of the fact that e- even in when – because the passing game has translated from a lot less drop back to more RPOs, and on RPOs, those linebackers are still fit in the run. So even on plays, they're not carrying the football. They're getting hit. Or when they're in in six-man protection, they're getting hit. So, you know, you don't think there's a lot of wear and tear if you're getting 12 to 15 touches a game, but you're still getting licked 25 times a game. So it's a physical position and, you know, never having um, – you can never have too many quality backs on a, on a field because over the course of a 12, 13, 14-game season, you know, you're going to lose a guy or two for a game. You just hope they're – their ankles and and sore joints or bruises and sprains and nicks and not, you know, major catastrophic injuries. We've got some over-unders to get into for the running backs here in a second. Last question in kind of our preview segment here, Brett. You know, you coached the running backs in college. You probably dealt with a lot of young running backs getting early playing time. For, For Mitchell and for Harris, where do you think they can make that biggest growth for like from year one to year two? I'm sure they were learning on the fly at times last year. Where, where does that biggest growth come from going into year two? I've said it a hundred times on your message boards over the year. I think fans underestimate um, how important an off, a true offseason is in college football. And when you look at it, this is really only this, even though Mike Houston has been there going into his, third season this will only be his second true offseason when you when you look at you take the job the first year you know and then well actually I guess it's his first true one but that you get the full year when he got the job in December or January during his first year but you know you're mixing matching the rosters you don't really know everybody and then bam last year you get done with the class of whatever that was I guess that was the class of 2020 and then COVID hit some uh, the, you know, the, 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 the quantum leap that exists between redshirt freshman to their redshirt freshman year or from true freshman to true sophomores is the strength and conditioning training. And, you know, the fact that you, you, you get a better idea how to take care of your body, you get a better idea how to um, eat right, you get a better idea how to recover. Um, so, you know, you, you have the physical maturation as far as – you know, I think it's like every other position in a sense that you get a greater understanding of the scheme. They're going to be able to pick up an extra nugget or two, you know, by having a new coach who might be able to provide something that they didn't have. That I'm certainly not disparaging drill sims or anything. They're just something that Chris Foster might say that rings a bell a little bit more than uh, what Darrell Sims might have told him or vice versa. Darrell could be saying something to the guys at Louisville uh, that they might not have heard the year before. But, you know, those those are things I don't think uh, – I think coaching that position is so much more relational uh, maybe than technical, you know, because it's just you – know, there's only so many ways to teach a guy how to carry a football or, you know, we're reading this guy on a cut. You know, I, you spend more time as a psychologist than you do a football coach making sure – you're trying to understand and 
you know, what are the qualms, what are the things these guys are worried about, and then not only keeping them happy, but uh, keeping them focused on what's really important, and that's trying to trying to get the program to win more games. All right, let's dive into these over-unders, Brett. Uh, for, for those unfamiliar, I'll kind of give a number, and we'll take the over or the under, and we'll both give our opinions on these. And uh, for context, I'll give what the over-under is set at and then kind of what these players did last year. And, of course, it's kind of tough to judge because it was only a, a nine-game season last year, so we have to kind of look at those numbers and compare them to what a normal season will be. All right. First up, Rajay Harris rushing yards. Now, I set the over-under right at 1,000, and that sounds like a lot because ECU hasn't had an 1,000-yard back since Fentavious Cooper uh, in 2012 and in 2013. So, Rajay Harris last year, 624 yards over eight games. He averaged 4.9 yards per carry. If he would have played a full 12-game schedule, he would have been pretty close. Um What's your what's your gut here, Brett? Do you think Rajay can can get past a thousand yards this year? My gut says no, but it's not because he doesn't have the ability. I think it's just yeah, the fact that you're banking on we're just going regular season numbers. So yeah, you know, I think he's now. I think he's going to play nine or ten games. I'm banking on an ankle or something uh, happening. You know, because that's that's pretty typical. You got to average about 100 yards a game. I think Mitchell, from from what I've heard from my contacts within the program and just watching it toward the end of the year, I think you're going to see more of a healthy split uh, in the carries this year. So I'm going to go under, but, you know, that's contingent. I think if he plays the full 12-game gamut, I do think he makes it. Yeah, that's the thing is you really have to kind of predict what his health looks like. I mean, last year I want to say it was either a knee or ankle that held him out for the SMU game, and we saw Keaton kind of step up then. Yeah, so I think a lot of this is health dependent. I think if he plays the full 12, he gets there. You know what? Just to be different, Brett, I'm going to go over. I'm going to go just over. I'm going to say Rajay Harris hits, you know, 1050, and the Pirates have their first 1,000-yard rusher in – nearly a decade, which is crazy to think about. Um, let's go uh, rushing touchdowns now. Rajay Harris, I set the over-under at eight. He only had four last year in eight games, which seems like a guy that big should have gotten more. What's your uh, what's your take here? I'm going to go with the under again because I think with uh, the situation at quarterback, you know, looking a little bit more positive. I think they use Holt Mailers and, and Mason Garcia a little bit more as runners in the red zone. And I think you see a little bit more balance between um, how many Holton can add and or Mason, you know, for that factor and the fact that he's a big body. I'm going to go with Rajay. I've actually got him at seven, so I'm going to go under there as well. Yeah, good pick. I, I, I'm leaning towards under too because I feel like they're going to use Holton a lot more in those red zone situations. I talked about it, I think, last week when talking about Holton Ayler's touchdowns uh, over under. I feel like they're going to be keying on Rajay a lot in the red zone, and that should open the door for Holton. So I'll go under eight as well. I think just under. Uh, Rajay Harris lost fumbles. Now, I set the over under at two and a half. Last year, he did have some major fumble issues. He fumbled six times. I think he lost four or five. Uh, do we think he has better ball security this year? You you said it at five. I, I've I said it at two and a half. Um, oh, two. Okay, yeah, because yeah, yeah. he had five last year. Yeah, 
Uh, I'm going to go over. I'm going to say three, but uh, that would be a noticeable improvement. Lost and actually fumbling or what you can control. I mean, you can't control who recovers at half the time. Uh, I tell you what, let's go under. I think he gets a little bit better at it this year. I think the other thing is, it's like I'm always reminded of the Lou Holtz story when he uh, became the head coach at Notre Dame. He sat down Steve Berline, who was going to be the returning quarterback. And, and uh, you know, anybody who spent any time with Lou Holtz, kind of do a Lou Holtz invitation. He said, yeah, Steve, I can promise you, you only throw seven interceptions this year. And uh, Steve's like, well, that's great. I mean, you have this specific way of – reading coverages and he said no because the moment you throw six I'm sitting you down and I'm not putting you in so you know there's going to be some of that with with Harris you know anytime you fumble in a lot you've got you got to just kind of put a blanket statement on it and say man you, you put the ball on the turf then we're not going to put you back in the game but I you know I think that's one thing he's really going to improve upon and I'm going to take the under there yeah, that was pretty good. That was that was well done with the uh, the Lou Holtz impression. You gotta get. You need to get former East Carolina quarterback coach Phil Petty on here and do it. It is it is legendary how good he is. I have to do that for sure. Uh, I I tell you, I'm gonna take the under as well. I think it's gonna be one of the things he's working most on this offseason is ball security. Chris Foster, when I was out there at practice during the spring, it was ball security and it was pass protection every single day. Uh, and I know those are, those are two obvious things for a running back coach, but still, he hammers them home. So, uh, they are. Ball security is job security, and I've heard Chris say this over time. I actually might have stole this quote from him. Uh, ball security is job security, yours and mine. So I'm going to fire you before the head coach can fire me as the running back coach, and there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of truth to that. Kids got you got to take care of the football. Yeah, there's no doubt. And Skip Skip used to bench a guy quick if they fumbled. I mean, I remember that growing up and watching. Um, all right, let's move on here to Keaton Mitchell rushing yards. And, again, you know, if you're expecting a 50-50 split with Keaton and Rajay, I may have low-balled Keaton a little bit here. But I've got the over-under at 650. Keaton last year ran for 443, five yards a carry on 88 attempts. And this, to me, too, is a, is a deal where it comes down to health. Uh, Keaton Mitchell, 650 rushing yards, over or under? I'm going to bang the over here. I just I think you're going to look more to 60-40 split, you know, 55-45 split. The other thing with Mitchell is, you know, he just – anytime he touches it, he's going to – he's got a chance to turn a seven-yard run into a 70-yard run. I mean, he's just an explosive guy. He's got some elusiveness to him, um, you know. I think I think he's going to factor in a little bit more in the offense this year. Just kind of my just a gut feeling, no no real intel. Just going back and watching those last three games over the course of the last couple of weeks, I'm big fan of his. I'm banging the over. I've actually got him at. I, I think he's going to rush for over 800 yards. Nice, nice. Uh, I am going to go over as well. So I've got. I've got Rajay Harris over a thousand and Keith Mitchell over six fifty. I mean, that's a lot of rushing yards if ECU gets to that point. Uh, we'll see if it happens. Again, a lot of that is health dependent, but I've got over as well. Um, again, he averaged more yards than uh, Harris last year by just a slight amount, but I think that he uh, he's explosive, like you said. I threat to take it. All right, Mitchell rushing touchdowns. He had two last year. Again, in limited carries, I've got it at five this year. Um. I, I don't know which way to go here. What, what are you thinking, Brett? 
still going with the under. I just I think they're I think they're going to run the quarterbacks more in the red zone. I think CJ Johnson, I think he emerges more as a as a more of what he was in twenty nineteen as a red zone threat. And you know, even Calhoun possibly as a as a tight end idea down there. I mean you just I think when you start adding up and you start, you know, like I think Holton can be a guy who can really throw for 30 touchdowns and be a 10 touchdown runner guy. I mean, I think he's got that kind of body. I think he's got that kind of ability as a runner. And if you do that, there's just not that many points left on the board. So, uh, you know, I think Mitchell, but I do think he's going to break a couple of long ones and set up a bunch of them, but I'm going to hit the under here. I'm going to take the, uh, the, I'm going to take the under as well. I think he gets four. Right under five. I could see him right in that five range, though, if he breaks a couple uh, for sure. Um, all right, longest run this season by Rajay Harris or Keaton Mitchell. I set the over-under at 75. It's very tough to break a 75-yard touchdown run. Rajay had a 80-yarder last year against Navy, and Keaton's longest of the year was only 34, but he had, like, two in scrimmages in the preseason of, like, 80 or 90, so... Are you going under or over 75 for the longest run by uh, Rajay or Keaton this year? Talk about a total crapshoot. I mean, college football, you just don't see that many runs that long anymore. I'm going under, but I will I'll welcome multiple ones over 75 if we, if we want to do that. So, uh, you know, I we had – I seem to remember a long one against USF too, but – um, I'm I'm gonna go under. Yeah, and Holden had a long Holden had a 75 yard run at Temple, and then CJ had a long touchdown catch at South Florida, which might be what you're thinking about. He had a 75 yarder. Um, so ECU did have some explosive plays last year. Blake Pro also had a 75 yard catch. So uh, we'll see how it transpires. But I, I'm gonna go under as well. I just think your odds of of hitting the under there are probably much greater than hitting the over. Um. Nope. This is an interesting one to me, all right? Harris and Mitchell combined catches. I've set it at 35. Last year, EC running backs, let's see if I can do some quick math here. Keaton had 11. Harris had 6, which is 17. Penix had 2, which is 19. And Chase Hayden had 1. So you had 20 catches between the EC running backs last year in 9 games. I've set the uh, over under at 35 over a full season for these two full-time running backs. Uh, do you think they get more involved in the passing game this year? You no, know, I'm going to take the over here, but I, I do it with a little bit of hesitation. That's a good number there just because I think, you know, as long as, um, you know, as long as you keep Tyler Snead around and, and, Every time they mention somebody, they always mention Josiah Hatfield, who's kind of in that scat back, you know, third receiver, slot receiver mode. Um, yeah, I'm going to take – I'm going to take the over. I think they get them involved a little bit more. Yeah, one thing I noticed in the spring is they, they started to hit those swing passes a lot and just a lot of design throws to Keaton especially – I think Keaton goes yeah. way over 11. I think he gets close to 20, if not more. And then it becomes how much does Rajay get involved? So I, I'm going to go over 35. I think I think it's going to be right around that number. You know, you could have Keaton with 20, Rajay with 15, some something like that. Um, so I'll, I'll go with the over. 
All right, we, we move on now to the other running backs discussion, which is basically this, like you said, a lot of this is a crapshoot at the end of the day. We don't know what to expect. Joseph Pop McKay over under rushing yards. I've set it at 150. So basically, this is dependent upon how much game time he gets. Is he going to get any garbage time that we uh, can count on? What What are your thoughts on uh, Pop McKay getting potentially 150 yards? Yeah, I mean, the issue there is, I mean, who are, who's on the schedule? Are you really capable of blowing out? I mean, I know you rolled Temple a little bit last year, and then Charleston Southern, you would hope, turns into that. You know, if you pop in there and you get a whole quarter worth of action and you get seven or eight carries in that game and you, you go for 60 yards, then you only got to get 100 the rest of the year. So I'm going to go with the year. Yeah, I think, I think whoever the third back is gets over. Um it's just a matter of is Pop McKay going to be that guy. I think as of now, he would be the odds-on favorite given his talent level, but we know that there are other walk-on backs who went through spring ball. We know that uh, Jamani Wilson's also in the program, so we'll see how that transpires. Uh, speaking of Jamani Wilson, I set his over-under at 100. The Marshall transfer, who was uh, pretty talented coming out of high school, uh, what's your take on Jamani Wilson? Hmm. We setting an over, or what's my take on him? Uh, we'll go first. We'll go first with your your pick, and then I do want to get your analysis on what you saw from the film of Wilson and McKay. But we'll, we'll go first with the over under. What's my number again? Uh, one hundred for Jamani Wilson. One, I'm gonna go over again. Once again, trap shoot. Do you get enough carries in a in a uh, in a blowout or whatever the case may be? But you know that's nothing but one or two popped runs over the course of a 12-game season, so I'm going to take the other. I'm going to go, I'm, just to be different, I'm going to go under. I think some of the walk-ons get some time as well, which takes away from the other numbers. Um, Brett, you watched film, some high school tape of Jamani and uh, Pop McKay. Just your initial thoughts on what you saw uh, from those guys. Both talented guys. It's like you said, you know, can, can you go ahead and – Translate college football right now. I mean, talented guys, like center gravity, both, uh, you know, McKay, especially a bigger guy. So can they handle pass protection and ball security? If you can do those things, maybe they can help you out early. All right. We are going to take a quick break. We'll come back and wrap up the uh, this over-under segment and also we'll dive into 20 questions. Uh, thank you guys for listening to Hoist of Colors. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. 
All right, welcome back to Hoist the Colors. We've got a few more over-under picks. Uh, Brett Hickman, head coach at West Brunswick High School, is alongside. Stephen Igo, the host of this podcast and the publisher of hoistthecolors.net. All right, a couple more uh, before we move on to 20 questions. Brett, total running back rushing touchdowns not scored by Rajay Harris or Keaton Mitchell. So this doesn't count quarterbacks either. So this has to be a running back. Not named Rajay or Keaton. I said it at one and a half. You know, you're probably going to get at least one, like in garbage time or something. Do you get two is the real question. You know, does Pop McKay get one? Does Jamani Wilson get one? Does one of them have two scores in the same season? So I said it at one and a half for the season. What's your take on the over-under there? I'm going over. I think they get one versus Charleston Southern. <laughs> and on the I think they get one versus Cincinnati. Just, uh, you know, kind of a gut feeling that until proven otherwise, you know, keeping that one close is going to be a little little hard. I think they're going to be awfully good this year. So, I think you might get one late in that game, too, by a, by a third-teamer. You mean uh, Mike Houston's revenge game isn't going to allow the Pirates to, to stick around? <sighs> Gosh. I would love to see it because I'll be there. I think that's Thanksgiving weekend. But uh, right now that bunch has got some dudes, and they got old dudes too, which is uh, pretty good. So until – yeah, I'm still going to stick with that. I I hope I'm wrong. I really do. But still, I'm still going with the over. We'll get one somewhere, or we're just going to blow out somebody else other than CSU. Yeah, that'll be an interesting game because Cincinnati could be playing for a college football playoff berth that they had the season they want to have. So we'll see what yeah, happens. They, it lines up. It, yeah. it lines up for them if they win at Notre Dame and at. Uh, well, I don't know if they go to Indiana or Indiana comes there, but they they've got the setup Houston had a few years ago where they have multiple P five games. So if it's ever going to happen, that's the type of schedule you need. All right, our last over under the number of walk on running backs that get touches this season. I set the over under at one and a half, so this has to be either a run or a a catch. So I set it at one and a half. So basically, two walk ons have to get either a running attempt or a catch. the The prominent walk on running backs that took reps this spring were uh, Derek Austin, Aza Barnes, and Macy O'Donnell, who is a converted inside receiver. Um, do we think that two of those get touches this season? I don't. I'm going under. Just don't see enough uh, blowout opportunities on on the schedule. You know, I think about back when I was in school there, and Joe Sloan, finally, my buddy Joe Sloan, finally got into a game, and I think we were beating UTEP by about a hundred, and he checked a pass with about two minutes to go in the game just so he could be in the all-time record books. Um, pretty savvy um but i think he took away a run from from uh Derek jones so you don't know whenever a quarterback goes in uh that uh takes one away from you so i'm gonna i'm gonna say under that's fair that's fair uh, good story joe sloan doing some big things these days in the coaching world um I, i'm gonna go i think macy o'donnell at least gets one catch they moved him to running back to kind of do some different things in the passing game and i think I think he gets a catch like early in the season in a special package, and I think one of the other guys will get a, a carry at some point. So I'm going to go over. Again, a lot of this is just a crapshoot, but you know we're having fun. So I'm going to go over as well with the uh, 
multiple walk-on backs getting touches this season. So there's your running backs over or under segment. I think Brett overall, again, I think this is probably the most raw talent in the running back room, at least since, um, you know, maybe early in the rough era, definitely in the Skip Holtz era, you know, when you guys had Jonathan Williams, um, uh, Fractious, Simmons, like all those guys, uh, Dominic Lindsay. I just feel like you finally have a legit skill set of guys that really have some, that bring something different to the table and aren't just, you know, average college running backs. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's like I said early. I mean, it's a, it's as healthy of a room now as you're going to have in college football. I just think asking for more than two guys with, with the availability of the transfer portal and, and the availability of playing time at lower levels of, of keeping multiple guys around. If you've got two proven commodities, I mean, you're, you're in a pretty good spot. So, you know, I think Carolina is in that spot. Just hopefully you can keep both of those healthy and you can get an emergence and emer- get an emergence from one of the freshmen and do that. You know, that sets up a pretty good room for the 21 season. All right, there's your running back preview. And now we're going to transition to our favorite game on the podcast, the uh, the most pressure that our guest Brett Hick- Brett Hickman has ever faced on the Hoisty Colors podcast. We're going to transition to 20 questions, ECU student athlete edition. Uh, and Brett, usually I make guests kind of guess the uh, what sport it is. I'll tell you it's football. I did this for Bobby last week. So it is a football, former or current student athlete. And how it works is all the questions have to be yes or no. You get 20 questions to try and guess who it is. Basically, you want to try and will it down saying, hey, is this player a defensive back? Is this player, did he play under Ruff McNeil? Did he play under blah, blah, blah? So yes or no questions only. I'll keep tabs of your questions. And uh, you are now on the clock. If you got any questions, just let me know outside of the game, of course. But otherwise... We'll put you on the clock now. Again, 20 questions to try and guess this player I have in the back of my head. Like I told you, I might be better at this game if you took it back to like the 90s or when I was growing up. I seem to be better at those things than I am, you know, more recent. Okay, first question. Did this player's time intersect with my time from 2006 to 2008? Yes. Was this player on the 2008 conference championship team? Yes. Okay. Did this player play defense? No. Did this player play offense? Yes. He was an offensive player. Did this player play quarterback? He did not play quarterback. Did he play running back? Nope. That is six questions. You got 14 left. Did he play wide receiver? He was a receiver. Okay. So, you know, he was a receiver on the 2008 ECU football team. You got 13 questions to try and figure out which receiver it was. Wish I could just take 13 guesses from this point, but I know that's how it works. Um, did this player play in the National Football League? No, I don't think so. I'd be it's shocked if he did. Dwayne. Yeah. This is not Dwayne Harris. It is not. I can't confirm that. It... Was this player from the state of North Carolina? 
He was, yes. Originally from the state of North Carolina. That is question nine, I think. So you got 11 left. Was this player an outside receiver? Yes, he would have played outside. He definitely was not a slot guy. At least I'm 99% sure. I remember him on the outside. Ten questions left. 2008 ECU outside receiver. (laughs) Hey, outside receivers, you had Freeney, but he was from Virginia, so that takes him away. Jamar Bryant was from North Carolina. Um, Alex Taylor was from North Carolina. I'm kind of choking here. Who else was in that room at that time? Uh, Was this person of the Caucasian persuasion? He was was not Caucasian. Okay. Can I even ask that now? Yes. Yeah, you're good. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, you're good. It's a fair question. We play 20 questions all the time at AJ McMurphy's Sports Trivia, and we ask – Basically, what race the person is to try and narrow it down. So that's fair. How many more questions do I have? You got nine. You got nine more questions. I'll give you a hint. All right. So he wasn't like a prominent player. If I give if I give the hint, it will give it away. But he wasn't a prominent player. But he he made his presence known that season. I'll say that much. So think about the games that season. Okay. Did he block a kick versus Virginia Tech to win a game? Yes. The player is TJ Lee. He is TJ Lee. And you got it in 12 questions with a with a big hint. But I mean TJ I, I was going through the roster and like I knew it would be different. I'm glad you I'm glad you said that because like I'm just drawing like total blanks on who played cuz you know Jamar and Alex played on yep. one side. Freeney and Dwayne played most of the time on the other side. I'm trying, and I was like, "Gosh, I'm I'm choking a little bit here." But well, that's yeah. the thing. He was a receiver, but he's not really remembered as a receiver. You know, yeah, he's in he's in lore as a block kick. Got a great story from actually that game. We actually put that block in on a Thursday, so it was really not even part of the game plan. And I don't know if. It was relatively late in the week because that was the opener. And I remember we had practiced punt return, punt block, whatever you call it, all week. And and nobody really knew much about TJ because he was a junior college guy, if I recall correctly. I think. And, uh, you know, going through punt block drills, just I I was just a slappy, but you would actually be the guy who threw up the ball. The guys would run through and, you know, who looked like they had a knack for it. And Donnie. Kirkpatrick was actually Vernon's helper on that team. He's like, I think TJ's going to be good at that. And sure enough, it it won the game. And I remember being because we had really outplayed Virginia Tech that whole day, and uh, I remember being sick in the fourth quarter, thinking that we weren't going to win that game despite really outplaying them. And then bang, 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 that happened, and 
you know, the other story is we actually should have gone for the two point conversion because we were up 21, 20, we were up 21 to 20 at that point or 20 to 19. We should have gone for two. And our guys were so delirious and coach Holtz was so delirious that we kicked the extra point, which being up two in that situation really doesn't matter. So yeah, it's funny what you remember, but you know, it was a great day. It was hot. Yeah. Like it, the hot football game I've ever been involved with. Luckily I was in the press box, but uh, just from, just from remembrance of the celebration and pregame meal or pre- post-game celebration on the field and pre-game out the warm-ups, how, how warm it was. But what an awesome opener. hope we have as good of an opener in Charlotte here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. Easily a top three opener moment, probably. It's right up there at the Tulsa Hail Mary and a couple other games. I mean, to me, it's number one, uh, having been there. Uh, TJ Lee, by the way, two years at ECU from 07 08, uh, 14 catches, 219 yards, one touchdown. So, again, a minimal impact as a receiver, most of that coming in, in kind of, you know, garbage time or whatnot. But that one play, man, he'll be remembered forever. Uh, TJ Lee, Juco recruit, he was the uh, the 20-question pirate that I had in my mind. So, you got it right, Brett. I wasn't going to let you go. Can I put you on the spot? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes. TJ Lee came in with another junior college player wow. that year from Raleigh. Do you know who it was? He Jake. made very little. He made very little impact. Running back. Yes, J.R. Rogers. Wow, that's impressive. I remember uh, the only reason I remember that is because my dad, who was a huge ECU fan, still is obviously. But uh, he was like, "We got we got these two JUCO kids coming in, going to be the real deal." And really, neither one of them was a, a huge success. Even though TJ had an awesome uh, moment, I don't. I don't think. RJ really ever had a huge role, but he had some runs. So he got caught behind. Uh, that was a good room at that time, and uh, you know had a bunch of good players. So you know sometimes it doesn't work out. No doubt. Well, Brett, we appreciate it, man. Uh, maybe one day I'll let you pick out some random ECU player, and I'll try to guess who it is um, on a twenty questions edition that you can you can pull one out of the hat, and I'll try to guess it. So. You got one. I thought I'd get you on today. That's pretty good. Yeah. Well, I, I've had too much time to study the roster since 2005. So, uh, But, no, nah, man, we'll uh, we'll connect again soon. Appreciate all the insight, as always, man, on Hoist of Colors and on the podcast. We'll talk to, you, uh, talk to you next time. All right, guys, getting close, getting excited. That's Brett Hickman. I am Steven Igo. Appreciate you guys listening to the Hoist of Colors podcast. We'll be back with you sometime either later this week or next week. So long.